12, verse number one. I want to say thank you to each of you that are visiting with us today for coming out to be with us at Life Church. And the Lord bless you. And I hope to have the opportunity to meet you before you slip out of here. Genesis chapter 12, uh, beginning with verse one. And we're beginning a series of lessons or five sermons or lessons that I want to teach over the next six weeks. And I know I said five and I said six weeks. The reason is during the Easter service, I want to um, depart from the series. However, I want to continue on the theme uh, as we think about what Jesus did for us on the cross and about the resurrection of Jesus. But we're going to be doing a series on the blessed life. And uh, today I want to give you an introduction to the idea of what a blessed life is and talk about how um, the first principle I want to address is a matter of the heart. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I want you to notice that there. God says, I will bless thee, and thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Once again, God said, I'm going to bless you, but what's going to happen is in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. When we talk about the blessed life, it's a very simple principle or concept. The concept is becoming a conduit of God's blessing. Becoming something, someone through whom God can flow his blessing. We read in this passage of scripture, Abraham was blessed in order that he could be a blessing. The idea of a blessed life is understanding some important scriptural principles that allows God to pour his blessing into us with the understanding that we're going to be a conduit through whom the blessings are going to flow to other people and to the needs of this world. Abraham, you're special. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. This is the definition of a blessed life. A blessed life is to have supernatural power working for you as opposed to having supernatural power working against you. God can do both. He says, I'll bless you. I'll bless them and bless you. I will curse them that curse you. Well, a curse is not like a hex, like a like a witch put on someone. No, it's God working against you versus working for you. It's very simple. And the blessed life is a life where God's power, supernatural power, is working in your favor instead of opposed to you. The blessed life is about walking in agreement with God, with God's will and God's word. Everybody say agreement. Agreement. Walking in agreement. And the blessed life is living with the current of God's favor as opposed to swimming against the current of God's favor. It's learning to get in the flow of what God is doing and being blessed.
blessed. And let me also share with you what the blessed life is not. When I speak of the blessed life, I am not talking about the rich or the wealthy life. Not what I'm talking about. I'm also not talking about a life that is free from all problems. The blessed life is not a life that's free from all problems. And the blessed life is not a life that's absent of all sickness. But the blessed life is a life wherein God's power works instead of against you. And you flow with what God is doing instead of against it. And you walk in with his will and his word. And as a result, God's blessings flow into you and through and through that, other people are blessed. And I want to share with you this principle. There is no one that can stop you from being blessed. No government official, no law can stop you from being blessed. Your spouse can't stop you from being blessed. Your boss can't stop you from being blessed. Your pastor can't stop you from being blessed. Your church cannot stop you from being blessed. No one can stop you from being blessed except you. Amen. So we're going to be talking, focusing somewhat in the next six weeks about giving, about giving. And as soon as I said giving, Many of your thoughts immediately went to finance. How many of you thought about money when I said give? Be honest. All right. Many of you thought immediately about giving. But the principle of giving is much broader than just the area of finances. The principles of giving can be applied in a variety of ways in our lives. But this series will be talking um, about money as well. And uh, I can see all of you going, talking about money. And uh, perhaps I'm a little bit out of my element preaching this to you, and it's a lot easier, more natural for me to preach other things. But I understand that God is calling us to another level. I was thinking about the verse of Scripture while talking to God, prayerfully considering direction for Life Church in chapter 4, verse 6 of Hosea. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, it says simply, and all of you have heard it before, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's the first phrase in this passage of Scripture. God says, my people are destroyed. They suffer the havoc of the enemy in life for lack of knowledge. And I understood a couple things. There's a couple things I picked up in that passage. First of all, is the phrase, my, my people are destroyed. The point is that just being a part of God's family and being within the framework of God's family and being his people does not protect us automatically from the ravage of the enemy. And some people wonder why. Well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not being blessed. I'm a Christian, but I'm suffering from this. And I, I, I experience a lot of lack in my life and a lot of, of so forth. It's not because you're not God's child, okay? Because it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So the first thing is, it's not about whether or not you're a Christian. You can be a Christian and be blessed, or you can be a Christian and still suffer the enemy's ravage in life. Is that not the truth? Yeah, praise God. And the second thing that I noticed this, it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of 
knowledge, which simply means they don't know or they have rejected what they should know. It doesn't say they're destroyed because they got a bad attitude. It doesn't say they're destroyed because they have a bad spirit. It doesn't say that my people suffer this because their heart is wrong. It says they suffer this or they're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Let me tell you what that does to me as a pastor or shepherd over people's lives. That's a sobering thought. That if I don't tell you and clearly explain things to you from God's word in a way that you can embrace it, you can be God's people and you can have a good heart. You can still be destroyed by the enemy. And when I say destroyed, I don't mean ultimate destruction, but I mean uh, experiencing the enemy's ravage in your life, your finances, not living up to what God has for you through a lack of knowledge. So in thinking all of this and considering all this, I realized God has called me to preach and teach the full counsel of the Word of God. That means the things that I'm comfortable with, that are candy sticks, that make everybody happy and pat me on the back. And that also means sharing principles from the Word of God that are very helpful to you and beneficial to you and will bring blessing into your life, but don't come across as very popular on the front end. Because I don't want you to be destroyed simply because you don't know. You're with people destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so I want to give you some information about the blessed life from the Word of God that I promise you some have not heard before, some of you have not considered it, some of you have not embraced it, and God's going to do a work in our hearts. Everybody say in our hearts. God wants to do a work in our hearts so that we can live the blessed life. God's going to do some new things in our midst. He's going to do some new things in our lives. And in order to get to the next level, it always requires giving. Everybody say giving. Because before Abraham could be considered righteous, he had to give his son Isaac. He will to give his son Isaac. And before God could, be, could, could redeem mankind back from sin and from the enemy, the Bible said he had to give his only begotten son. And before we can be reconciled to God, we have to give ourselves. Everybody understand that? When you uh, were reconciled to God, it wasn't because you repeated a sinner's prayer. Amen? It wasn't because you felt goosebumps on your back and spoke in tongues. It's because you gave your life to the Lord Jesus. Amen? Everybody got that with you? And you have to give before you can go to that next level. So we want to take a journey together into the blessed life. Now, once again, I said uh, it, it is sometimes unpopular or uncomfortable for uh, a minister to speak about money. And when I said people being destroyed from lack of knowledge from the Word of God, a preacher that doesn't preach about things, finances, materialism, is a preacher who is ignoring the largest portion of the Word of God. You guys with me now? Because the Bible speaks about prayer more than 500 times. How many are thankful for prayer? Amen. The Bible speaks about faith just more than 500 times. Oh, just right over 500 times he speaks of faith. How many are glad for preaching about faith? Amen. But the Bible speaks about money and possessions more than 2,000 times in the Word of God. The reason is God understands that what he wants to do in us is a change of heart. He wants us to become like Him. That's God's goal is for us to become like Him. And whenever we give, we become like God. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. And whenever we do not give or we're selfish or focused on us or stingy, we are the direct antithesis of who Jesus is because Jesus gave his life for a ransom. Jesus was generous to the core, to the bone. Amen? And I want to affirm, first of all, the commitment of those who have already experienced the power and the blessing of living a life that gives instead of simply is focused on receiving. And also, I want to challenge each of you who have not yet tested the Word of God in this area of your living. I want to share with you about this. And uh, so the one thing I want you to notice is that in the Word of God, giving is always joined with blessing, Right? Giving is always joined with blessing. I'll give you a, a, a scripture verse here. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I want you to take one hand and say, giving, giving, and I want you to take the other hand and say, blessed, and I want you to link together, and I want you to get a mental picture here that these two are enjoined, giving and blessing. When you give, you are blessed, and giving is a part of the blessed life, and you cannot have the blessed life until you get a revelation about giving, amen? But the second point I want to make in your hearing is that it is all about the heart. It's about the heart. Here's a couple of verses I want to read to you to, to make this point about blessing and giving and it being about the heart. Matthew 7, chapter 1 says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what measure or what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Everybody say judgment, because that's what we're talking about right now. Judgment. Whatever measure you use to judge others, that's the measure that it will be measured back to you. And then in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, we see this principle again. It says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. If you don't heap it out, it's not going to be heaped back on you. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Guess what? Look at this verse again, and let me say this statement. Give, and it comes back to you. Judgment, condemn, forgiveness. It's a scriptural principle that when you give, it comes back. It can be good things that you give. Good things come back. It can be bad things that you give, bad things come back. Another scripture that teaches this principle is, uh, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And it's a principle from the word of God that you've got to get a hold of, that when you give, what you give is coming back to you. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. 
Now, I want you to notice here, we always take this scripture and begin to think immediately about giving offerings. But money is not mentioned one time in that passage. Did you notice that? Did you notice that? Look at it again. Money is not mentioned. It's talking about different things. It's, uh, it's talking about judgment. It's talking about condemnation. It's talking about forgiveness. When you give, it will come back to you. Amen? The it is the pronoun which must be replaced with something. And whatever you give is the it in this scripture. Whatever it is you give, it becomes the it. It will come back. Blessing, it will come back. Forgiveness, it will come back. Jesus is saying whatever you give, you will get back more than you give. It's going to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That means they're not just going to throw it in there and have lots of gap and gaps and lots of air and only put a little bit in but they're going to pack it together good. Anybody know somebody that knows how to pack something real well? My mother was the most phenomenal at packing a trunk. My dad would come out there and pack the trunk and said, there's no way we can get all this in there. And my, uh, my mother would be like, Ron, watch out. She would start things around. And next thing you know, those three suitcases that couldn't get in there, the rest were all packed in there because she knew how to shake it together, press it down, make sure there was no space and sometimes running over. Amen. And, uh, and the reality is, the Bible says, whenever you give, whatever you give, it's going to come back. But it's not going to come back just the same amount, but it's going to be fast. It's going to be all put in there as much as possible. It's coming back. So whatever you give, it's coming back. See, the Bible teaches us to be forgiving people. Because if you won't forgive others, then forgiveness won't come back to you. And how many know at some point or another we're going to need some forgiveness? So whatever measure we use to measure out forgiveness, if we're real skimpy with forgiveness, then when we need forgiveness, it's coming back to us very skimpy. But if we are very liberal with giving forgiveness, uh, then we're going to receive back liberal give, uh, forgiveness. Amen? And if we're in a negative sense, if we're real quick to judge and we keep on the judgment, you better watch out because judgment's coming back to you because when you give, it will come back and it will come back a greater measure. It's like sowing a seed. I'd rather sow a positive seed for a positive harvest. How many believe that? You give judgment, you get judgment back. You give mercy, you get mercy back. You give kindness, you get kindness back. You give friendship, you'll get friendship back. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It's a principle in the Word of God. If you believe it's true, clap your hands. Now, this scripture in Luke chapter 6, given it will be given to you. The problem with preaching and teaching this, and, and this is the fault of much teaching and preaching. Go on TBN. It doesn't take very long. If you've ever heard of TBN, for any broadcasting network. Go on there. It's not very long until you start picking up the idea that getting becomes the motive. If you'll sow into my ministry, something's going to come back to you. Just sow a seed, and then it's going to come back. God's going to bless you if you sow a seed. This is a problem with preaching this scripture sometimes, is that receiving becomes the motive for giving instead of the reward for giving. Are you understanding the difference here? God attached it with blessing, so when you give, you will receive. But we talk, we're talking about the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is, if I'm giving just so something comes back, then I've got the wrong spirit in the first place. 
if my motive for giving is I've got to get back what I'm going to give and it's got to be pressed down and shaken together and running over, if that's why I give, then I'm giving with the wrong kind of a heart. It is the reward and it happens. But the thing God's wanting to change in us is change our selfishness and change our self-centeredness until we become God who he said while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was hanging on the tree before he had a promise of anyone accepting his sacrifice. It was giving and the reward of his gift is that people gave their life back to him. And we need to get to the place as Christians that we give for the sake of giving. We give because we want to give. We give because it brings us joy to give. We give because it feels wonderful to give. We give because we want to be like God. We give because we, we're doing what he did. and He's the one that implemented giving. Amen? So he started it. God's the one who put it all through his word. And make sure you get this point. God did not instigate giving or start this concept of giving so that he could receive. You understand that? God's not needy. God's not on welfare. God doesn't have a shortfall this year. God isn't in a position where he's unable to meet his budget. All you have to do is look in the Word of God. It says He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That? Now, I know we got all these titles. we got a title in town. Every house in L.A. County is owned by God. He can thump it over if He wants to. He can put blessing on it if He wants to. Everything's owned by God. Every street, every office, amen? Every airplane, commercial airline, private jet, all of these things are owned by God. God. Everything is His. He doesn't need your money. I'm sorry, but uh, you've got this pitiful view of God that, oh, God needs my money, so I'm going to give. That's not why God started giving. He didn't instigate the concept of giving because He needed something from you. He instigated the concept of giving because He wanted something to change in your heart. He wanted something to be different inside of us. Amen? The person who needed nothing implemented giving not for himself but for us. So the heart is the, the issue. The, the Bible says in one place the Lord loves a cheerful not just the fact that the amount that's but the fact that someone is willing to give and the more we're willing to give come like our heavenly Father. And I want us to look, we're going to look in Deuteronomy chapter 15, and we're going to focus on four things real quickly that we must do in order to have a blessed life. And the issue right is our heart. Um, we've talked the last couple of weeks about the deceitfulness of our heart, how that our heart really lead us astray, right? Hearts, our hearts can lead us in directions we shouldn't go, and we have to our heart instead of following. And so here's some things that in coming like Jesus Christ that have to change in our heart in order for us to live a blessed life, in order to be somebody through whom God's blessings can flow. Amen? And the first thing that has to happen to our heart is we need to deal with a selfish heart. We've got to deal with a selfish heart. This is point number one. Deal 
with a selfish heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 7. It says, If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him not. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. So the point is, the Lord had implemented the year of Jubilee, which is a way by which the law relieved every person. But he was saying in essence here, don't let a thought develop in your wicked heart that says, I don't have to help this person in need. Remember I said... Our heart is deceitful. And the Bible says exceedingly deceitful. It says wicked. And in our heart, we've got to deal with wicked thoughts that keep us from having compassion on others. These selfish thoughts that keep us from having compassion on other people, the Bible calls a wicked heart. And you know what selfishness whispers? Selfishness whispers is you don't have enough. Or selfishness whispers... God won't be faithful to meet your needs if you give. This is what selfishness whispers to you. And what God wants to do, he wants to change our hearts and change us from greedy, selfish takers into grateful, generous givers. How many want to be changed by God? It takes a work of the Spirit. It takes intentionality. It takes knowledge of what God's Word has to say about it so that you can be changed from greedy, selfish takers and receivers into grateful, generous givers. Amen. I want to be what the Bible says. I want to be the head and not the tail. I want to be the giver, not the taker. I want to be the lender, not the borrower. That is a blessed life that God wants to give to each of us. And there are some principles. And the first thing is, is you won't get there with a stingy heart. You won't get there with a self-centered, self-focused heart. And the problem is, all of us were born with a selfish heart. All of us. God wants to change us. That's why we've got to be born again. Selfishness tries to manipulate, make deals with God got to confront that natural tendency, that natural heart. As I mentioned, we were born selfish. One thing I've learned about babies is when they're first born, their first words are not, Daddy, my sister, my brother. Their first words are, ah! which I've got to translate. I'm hungry, I need to be changed, I want to be picked up, and I want it to happen now. Do you guys know that I could translate baby? Now, sometimes you've got to figure out which one of those three they are. And uh, I found out if you change 
diaper on a baby that's hungry. But they're communicating. Take care of me now. Take care of me now. It's like, baby, like, like, us. And we're not able to have conversation. Not even this morning in our top ten. Um, I was upset. She filled her diaper to uh, measure shaking down, blowing over, and and uh, uh, and uh, and it's like now, sweetheart, listen, listen about us here. She's like, no, it's all about me. This is my world. You happen to be living in, so take care of me, please. That's the way every child is born. I that precious baby that is selfish. All of us, when we were born self-centered, self-grow up Anybody know the word that they know when they're two years old? The only word they know? Mine! Mine! How do they do that? How do they self Guess what? Your toys are your toys. And their toys are your toys. Everything in that room is yours. And I want you to understand you fight for the right. Amen? You understand that, precious? Before we go to school, we get this straight. It's all about you, pumpkin. Right? No, it's natural. They're born that way. Mine! And we fight. Teach them to care. Right? Teach them not to be so selfish. Guess what? All of us, nobody was with this idea of let's take care of the other guy. Haven't met a two-year-old yet. It's like, are you guys okay? Okay. Got what you want? Want me to talk? Bring some toys here. Want to play? Oh, they're all fine. I like that. I get that. Understand? This is our heart. This is our, our core. We're selfish. We're born self. And and I can remember um, when I was growing up, I, I your body gets bigger, but you're still selfish. You get you become a little more slow hiding it. But you take the steaks off the grill, and you happen to be the one cooking the steaks, you know which one's gonna be juicy. You know which one's a little thicker than the other, has more more ounces per square ounce or whatever. So you're the one dishing them, and you know where your plate is. Put it there on your plate. You know what I'm talking about? And you just feel guilty. You're like, man, nobody knows. So nobody knows how selfish I am. My mother had this unique way of taking care of ourselves. Uh, is um, uh, I was born raised with my brother. One of tell him I like, and uh, the deal was is raised in our plate. So if there was something special, whatever, something nice that we wanted, uh, a cake or whatever that we had to share. Um, what my mother, she let us do the divide. And then the other got first choice of two pieces. Do you know what that meant? That meant the person divided, like taking calculations, making sure. That it was exact because they got it off a little bit and one piece was bigger than the other. 
which was their way of thinking because we're selfish. It's going to work against us, and our brother's going to get the bigger piece. He gets first choice. And so a selfish heart is a part of all of us. It's something we have to deal with because a selfish heart works against the grain of a blessed life. I can't have, I cannot have a blessed life if I keep my selfish heart. I've got to confront that natural tendency. And as I said, this is not just a problem for children, but I've had the privilege, happy or unhappy, of knowing a good many adults who have yet to graduate from the school of selfishness. Get all we can. Can all we get. Sit on the can so the gun comes out. God is coming to us to say, I want to deal with this wicked, selfish heart and make you like me. First thing that has to happen is come like Jesus is we've got to deal with the selfish heart. Am I being recognized? Am I getting what I need? Is my needs being taken care of? You know, selfishness will destroy a marriage too. I don't want to get off on another subject, but selfishness will destroy marriage quicker than anything. And when two people are married, almost always they both enter into a selfish that's the awesome thing about marriage. You have to learn to be selfless in order to have a great marriage. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So the first thing is deal with a selfish heart. The second thing that we have to deal with in order to have a blessed life is we have got to deal with a grieving heart. Let me read the scripture for that. That's the uh, next verse there, verse 10 of Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse number 10. It says, Thou shalt surely give him and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing, the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all thou puttest thine hand. So the poor guy who has needs living among them, the Bible says you should give to him. And he says, when you give, don't be grieved. Don't be grieved when you give to him. Don't start grieving over what you could have done with the money if you hadn't given. This is an important thing that you have to learn. Because we have sometimes what's called givers. Anybody heard of buyers? What is that? Sales so good. Like I got a So you buy it. And you go home that night and the buyers sell to myself. I've done money. But I made this commitment and I've done this. Oh man, why did I make this mistake? And we grieve about a purchase. The Bible lets us know, and, and we've found this to be true in our own lives, that sometimes when God speaks to us to give, when we give, selfishness not only works before we give, but sometimes selfishness works after we give as well. Are you guys wait? Selfishness? Can we tell some more jokes? Or? Selfishness still works before we give and after. When the Lord prompts us to give, he says, don't be grieved with what you've done because the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. And if 
read backwards, that means there's still something needs to change in your heart. Guard your heart against giver's remorse. Give, and some people sometimes give because they feel that they have to, or they feel pressured to give. And when they feel like they have to give or they feel pressured to give, afterwards they feel free. Then the giving didn't do what it was supposed to do. Guys, it may have brought the total number of contributions up, but it did not accomplish in you what it was intended to accomplish when you're grieved after you give. Some got and you put put your gift on the altar, or you give to someone in, or you give your offering and return your tithes to the Lord, and it's like oh, but I obeyed God. God bless me. Did what I was supposed to. Yeah. not the kind of giving that produces a change of heart that God is wanting to produce and, and, and God can then trust you to be a conduit which he can begin to pour his blessings because see I believe there's some people in this church that are going to begin to, begin to be a conduit of God's yes. blessings and you wonder why nothing's flowing your way the reason nothing's flowing your way is because nothing flows out the other end and when things only flow in and nothing flows out what happens it becomes dead right the Dead Sea is dead because it has inflow but no outflow. And in your life, God will stop sending blessings if he can't trust you to be a giver. Come on. You've got to understand this. We, we've got such a fleshly and physical thing, and we're leaning to our own understanding and trusting our own thoughts and our own minds, and we're operating on our own abilities and capabilities. And God says, I want you to learn to live the blessed life, and you're being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Why isn't the blessing coming? Why isn't God's favor coming? Why isn't his blessing flowing through me? It's because if you give, you give like uh, because you feel forced or, or obligated, or you give saying, well, God, give back to me now. Come on, give back to me. Something's got to change in your heart to where you become like Jesus Christ. And I'm asking God to get a hold of me because I got a selfish heart. From time to time, I got to readjust. And I default to my old selfish nature. And I want God to make me a giver and cause me to understand I can trust in Him. I need to stop trusting in my own thoughts and my own ideas and become what God has called me to be. Hallelujah. How many believe that? Amen. How many believe that? Praise the Lord. And uh, just think about this. If we're, if we're grieved about our giving, think it really pleases God. Give to him, but like sad about it after after you give to him for like Is there anybody here that would give me a $20 bill right now? Could I, could I get a $20 bill? Somebody? Give me. If you're grieved after you're giving, it doesn't please God. And remember, the issue is the heart. He's trying to change our heart. It's not that he needs the money. He's trying to change our heart. AJ, were you sad? 
You weren't grieved? He wasn't sad. He wasn't grieved. Why, why does he have tape all over? He had this along. See, what you guys don't know is I gave him that $20 bill beforehand, and, and it's mine. So he just gave me back what I already had, right? So that's that's not rough to give back what already belongs. See, the reality is the problem, why would you so that, that everything belongs to us. We forgot that it all belongs to God. So when we're returning to him as he asked, hey, it's but the problem is we and we stop being stewards and we become owners. That's the problem. That's the problem. Now the house that the church owns around here, Brother Steele introduced us to the Bryant Company, and they manage that property. They take care stewards of that property. They receive the rent, they take care of it, so they take care of it, and I'm thankful they're paid for that. But here's the deal. What if one day they started acting like it was their house and we decided to sell that house or move someone else in that house and they're like, no, you can't do that. You guys have missed the point. This is not your house. You're taking care of it. And if we ask you to return it, return it. Amen? Right, 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 right. And so when you're grieved, it shows that something has shifted and you've moved from being a steward to thinking you're an owner of these things. Amen? And God can't pour His blessings through you because you think it's yours then. But God gave it to you so you can be a blessing to others. Amen? So that it can flow through you. I'm talking about a principle from the Word of God that works. It works. It works. So many of us have been defaulting unknowingly back to our selfishness that keeps us from being something or someone through whom God's blessings can flow. We grieve because we lose or give or spend it is because we think it's ours and we forgot that it all belongs to God. So AJ didn't really give me any money. He just returned it. Amen. Do you feel sorry if you're used to grieving over money that you lose or money that's given that it wasn't yours in the first place? So dealing with a selfish heart, dealing with a grief heart, number three, is develop a generous. Verse 14 of chapter 15 of Deuteronomy, it says, the next verse, it says, Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock. We're talking again about this poor guy that's living amongst you. And out of thy floor, that's the threshing floor where you uh, separate the crops from the chaff. And out of thy wine press, and of wherewith the Lord thy God has blessed thee, Thou shalt give unto him. Now you say, well, I guess I'm, I'm good then because I don't have a flock of any kind in my yard. I don't have a wine press and I don't have a threshing floor. But even though you don't have these things, you are still to give liberally as God has blessed you when there is a time of need. See, I was born selfish, but I was born again generous. I need a fresh touch of God's Holy Spirit because I was born selfish, but I was born again unto generosity. Hallelujah. God, deal with my heart. I want to develop a generous heart. I want to be like God. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want my mind to be renewed through the Holy Spirit because your new nature in Jesus Christ desires to be generous. Let me share something with you. Uh, the Word of God says in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, also in the book of Matthew, it says these exact same words. It says, 
for Jesus, the words of bread, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Or the uh, New Living Translation, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I've shared this with many of you, but I want to share it again because I don't want you to be destroyed through a lack of knowledge. The point of this scripture that's misinterpreted many times is the order. Everybody say the order. The order of these two things. Two things are wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your treasure. My treasure. How about this? Wherever I invest, that's where my heart is going. And here's the order problem. is a lot of times we think that the scripture is saying we invest wherever our heart is. But the Bible is not saying that our, that, uh, that our investment follows the heart. In other words, we put money where, where, where we have it. But the Bible is saying, it, keeping the order and making it back, it says where you give, that's where your heart is going to follow, right? That's where your emotions and passions are going to follow. We sang earlier, Lord, you've captured my heart. And I have found, I have noticed, I have observed, I'm an observer. And when people are not giving to the kingdom of God, they're not committed to the kingdom of God. Their heart isn't there. They don't really care that much about it. You know what happens if you invest in stock? Anybody ever invest in stock? stock? Brother Donnie's own fund, so we'll use his illustration just for him. But you guys can imagine, let's say you invested in H&R Block or H&R Block, say you invested in a Home Depot stock or you both invested in Starbucks stock. That's the night. And then what do you do, Brother Donnie? You have to put your money. Let's say you worked, saved, have $5,000, and not, not advisable to put it all in one. Let's say you put it all in one stock, you put it in poker. What are you going to do Tuesday morning when you wake up and, and you go to the newspaper or you get on the internet? What, what's one of the first things you're going to do? Look at your stock. You're going to find out how's Coke doing today. That's what those guys do. That's why they read the Wall Street Journal. I read this is the most boring thing. The comics, my Lord. But they read this because their money's there, so now their heart's there. Now they're not in the comic page or, or tearing up the sports page anymore. Now they're looking at the Wall Street Journal, looking at those skinny columns and the glasses at the end of their nose because their money, their resources, their, their uh, uh, treasure is pulling their heart in that direction. And the same is true. When people learn how to commit themselves in giving to the kingdom of God, all of a sudden now they're concerned. Are people getting the Holy Ghost? How is our kids program? Do we have a good youth program? We've got to have a good music program. Why? Because their emotions and their passions follow their investment. And I watch when people are not faithful in their giving and when they're focused on other things, uh, that their commitment to the kingdom of God begins to wane and it becomes a spiritual issue, amen? Because the issue is the issue of the heart. I hope you get what I'm saying right now. I'm not here to make you mad. I'm not here to manipulate anybody. I'm telling you that the issue is an issue of your heart and your heart will follow your treasure. If my treasure's wrapped up in my bass boat, my heart's gonna be sitting there on the seat next to me pumping in my bass boat. But if I learn how to invest myself, my my time, my talent, my treasure into the kingdom of God. My heart's going to be 
there as well. I'm telling you, if you want to live the blessed life, you got to recognize and realize this fact that your heart. Hallelujah. 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 Man, praise God. The more treasure you put into something, the more of your heart will be there. If you want a heart for your family, you've got to invest your time, your energy, your resources in your family. Amen? That's why I think you've got to spend money sometimes. Take your family on a vacation. $72 for Disneyland. What could I do with $72? Hey, it might be a lot of great investment in the life of your kids. Your heart's wrapped up in your family. Spend your old dime your heart's going to be somewhere else. And then the fourth and final point wrap up here very briefly is develop a great heart. Get rid of a selfish heart. Do a three heart. Develop a develop a great The idea of a grateful heart, say great, say grateful, is that we should give light what given to us. Deuteronomy final verse it says, And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed. Therefore I command thee this thing today. So, let's go there's a bond person and there's a slave. Don't let a wicked heart sell But give him what he wants. And give him Because you're grateful that you've been now you give up because you're grateful. When you remember, everybody say, remember you used to be slaves in Egypt. I'm telling you to be generous because of that memory. If you need motivation to be a generous member, are generous, remember then where God brought you from. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Remember, sometimes I got to remember some things and God brings back some memories to me, not just to make me feel bad, but to remind me what he's done for me. How many has God done so much for you? Hallelujah. What if I'd followed that path I was on before? Look at the blessings of God. When I consider what God has done for me, how can I not give to someone else? How can I not give to the needs of other people? Life Church, I want God to change my heart. I want him to change our hearts. Hallelujah. Not because he needs money or not because we need money, but because we want to be more like Jesus. And in order to be like Jesus, I've got to be a giver. In order to live the blessed life with his favor, walking in sync with his word, going in the flow of his blessing, I've got to be a giver. Hallelujah. Let's stand and praise the Lord together right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want your heart changed and set free? 
be delivered from worries, if you want to get God sent, you've got to start putting your heart in the kingdom of God. Where your treasure is, there will your heart also. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm telling you, it's as simple as the nose on my face, which is profound prominent. That is, you want your heart in God's kingdom and the things of God. You've got to invest. You've got to pour yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, because it's about my heart. It's about my heart. And I want to tell you right now, some of the greatest revivals in an individual that I've ever seen is when they finally break. And they recognize this revelation. They say, I want my heart to be in the kingdom. I want a generous heart. Hallelujah. I give to all these other things. I'm, I, or, or I invest in all these other things. I, I, I spend a lot of money on eating out. And, and I guess my treasures, my stomach. Well, the Bible says my God is my belly. Yeah, but where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And when you give instead of spend, when you sow instead of eat, it's going to come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But here's the point. That's not why we give. That's a reward and a blessing that comes from giving. But we give because God gives, because Jesus gives. Hallelujah. Because he gave his life for a ransom. And I want to be like Jesus. Hey, man, it's what happens when I come to church, but it's also what happens when I'm on the street. And guess what? You can never outgive God. If you let it flow, more flow is coming. If you let it go, more is coming. If you obey God as he's prompted, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, God has been dealing with my heart about being more generous, being a generous person. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, you got three sets of golf clubs? Give one to somebody else. Oh, no, no, that's mine. Why do I need three sets of golf clubs for? Amen. Never need three sets of golf clubs. It's God beginning to speak to my heart. You know what? You've got the same old little baby, stingy tendency, the selfish heart. That's why I can't bless you like I want to bless you somewhere. Let it go because I want to bless you. I want you to live a blessed life. I don't want you to be stingy and selfish. I want to be able to flow. And it's not just It's not. Ju it's not just because I need money. God's saying I don't need any money. God's saying you need to be generous. I want to be able to bless you so you can bless other people. And I want it to happen in my life. Lift up your hand to the Lord right now in a sign of surrender hallelujah Jesus Lord I give you my heart I give you my soul I give you everything Jesus my life is yours Lord God I put it on the altar Lord Jesus let your will be done in me let your will be done through me hallelujah Lord hallelujah Lord hallelujah thank you Jesus 